Speaking of good viewing, I don't know if you had a chance to tune in today at all to the Prime Minister um, testifying today at the public inquiry into the invocation of the Emergencies Act. It is not often, don't forget, it's not often anywhere that you see the leader of a country spend several hours being questioned and then cross-examined about a matter of critical importance that... um, that is really a key to his reputation in many ways. Now, this was mandated. The moment they invoked the Emergencies Act, we knew this inquiry would happen and we knew the prime minister would testify, more or less. Uh, but he did so today. Uh, he really took us back in time, explained the rationale be- behind why he thought it was the right idea, why he thought the threshold uh, had been met for this to be, to be considered a Uh, a threat to national security, the ongoing blockades and convoys and occupations and so on. Um, He spoke a bit about the anger that he had faced on the 2021 federal election campaign over COVID-19 mandates, and then about how there was a bit of disconnect between what he and his advisors thought would happen if this convoy came to town and what Ottawa police were telling him. We certainly saw during the first weekend uh, that the expectations that the police had said that they would simply go home, the uh, the ability to keep it under control um, was um, was not exactly there. Yeah, that's a subtle way of taking a bit of a knock at the Ottawa police. Um, he also defended his government's decision to invoke the act. He painted a picture of a country teetering on the edge of violence during the convoy protest and spoke about people in general losing faith in the ability of the powers that be to handle the situation. People's faith in our country's institutions able to do the basic things around keeping them safe gets eroded. Uh, And that is something that one has to take very seriously, that I took very, very seriously. On the matter of actually invoking the Emergencies Act, he said he uh, took solace or at least took confidence in the fact that this country's highest Ranked civil servant had uh, given it the okay and said that in retrospect, he felt absolutely serene and confident that it was the right thing to do. I'm not going to pretend that it's the only thing that could have done it, but it did do it. And that colors the conversations we're having now with the fact that these could be very different conversations. And I am absolutely serene and confident that I made the right choice. So lots to digest there. Uh, that was just sort of the a bit of what he had to say. Really, those are questions from commission counsel. So that's pretty much the prime minister laying out his case. So did he make a convincing argument that this, this was indeed an appropriate response to a threat, an actual threat to national security? Did he fill in some of the blanks around how he reached that decision? Joining me now with more on this is Lydia Milgen. She's a political science professor at the University of Windsor, one of the places, of course, that uh, that saw a blockade. Thank you so much for your time tonight. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It, it is always, I, I find, not jarring, but it's always impressive to see a leader be put in that situation where they not only face sort of get a chance to tell their story, but they get challenged as well on it. What did you make of, of some of the responses he gave today around, really around the reasoning and the idea that this was indeed a threat to national security. Yeah, he didn't um, dwell too much on the threat to national security. I think what he was really focused on is the fact that he he had lost confidence 
quite frankly, in um, various police services to have a plan to find an end to this. I mean, he he really painted a picture about how he was being pressured by um, constituents, by um, fellow MPs, and I think he was. He also sort of revealed that he was. Um, impacted by the 2021 election and the protesters there. He didn't sort of hint that this was a a continuation of the anger and the vitriol that he experienced on the campaign trail. Um, So, you know, his, his discussion really centered on the fact that when, you know, when he pressed police services to show a plan, he felt that they didn't have a plan. And he even said, you know, you can look at their plan and say that there's nothing there. And and that became a, a point of contention. Yeah, he certainly didn't hold back when it came to criticizing the police response to this. I just wonder when you look at it all, and this has been, I think, since the beginning of this inquiry, the thing that has stood out is a failure. This was not necessarily a threat to national security as much as the security's inability to deal with a threat. And that's an odd situation when one thinks about the Emergencies Act. It is. I mean, it's it's as if they, they sat on their hands for several weeks. And then because of that, they create, they, the, the crisis became worse. I mean, obviously, you know, regardless if it was the province or the city of Ottawa or the RCMP, the fact remains that they didn't do what was necessary to keep it under control. It almost was as if they gave the, the protesters the keys to the city and then were surprised when they wouldn't leave. Um, and so to say that that was caused the emergency to happen um, – it makes you wonder if it's something that they wanted to happen all along just so that they could invoke the Emergency Act. And in fact, he kind of hinted to that. He said that they had dusted it off at the start of the pandemic and That's thought, right. well, no, we can't use it for the pandemic. But then it was in the back of their mind at the beginning, even at the like day two of the protest, they sort of uh, you know thought about whether or not they could use it. And, and Lametti had even said that earlier in the week that, you know, it was just something that they were going to consider um, if they had to. And so I think that was a little bit troubling um, in in the testimony because it kind of reveals that I think so, I think it was Paul Wells said it well in in, um, in an article today saying that you know it's almost like Chekhov's gun you know you introduced it the first act and if you don't use it by the second you've missed an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. The Justice Minister, David Lametti, uh, testified earlier in the week. Uh, in terms of how he handled the cross examination, I mean, honestly, I think in terms of. Um... Communicate how well he communicated up there today. He did a pretty good job. Now, whether he communicated enough to give people confidence in the decisions that were made back in February, I guess that'll be up to Justice Rouleau to decide. Yeah, and I don't think it's about that communication. I agree. I think he did a good job today. I think it was actually one of his better, um, you know, if, just, if I could put it so crassly, one of his better performances. Um, he didn't seem quite as scripted as he does, you know, when he's answering questions at the House of Commons. And maybe it was just so refreshing that he was actually answering questions. <laughs> and we haven't really seen yeah. that a lot from political leaders. And so I think that that was, was part of it. Um, you know, but, you know, for me, the, the big question is, you know, did they have a plan? He says that the the police didn't have a plan or you didn't have comfort in it. But I always, you know, the fact that I recall Windsor being cleared the weekend before Ottawa and Windsor was able to be cleared without the invocation of the Emergency Act is is the thing that I find most jarring about this. Throughout the testimony, different ministers, especially Christian Freeland, has said that this was a threat to our economy and they talked about the border crossing as being one of the reasons for doing it. But 
we didn't need the Emergencies Act to break up the, the protests at the border. They were able to do it with uh, provincial tools and existing tools. So um, that question's never really been answered very clearly, except for for the Prime Minister today saying that we were afraid there were going to be other um, protests that would continue to pop up here and there. Um, and so this was a way to end it once and for all. Yeah, you were right there on the front front of it. And clearly, you know, the blockade of the Ambassador Bridge was the one that, that got everyone really, uh, to, 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 to use a scientific term, freaked out um, on both <laughs> sides of the border, whether it be the Americans, whether it be the governor of Michigan, uh, Rob Ford himself. I mean, it felt like that one really spurred action. And it was cleared up pretty quickly. Um, you're right. It, it's an interesting. It's an interesting that they so they don't talk about that much. Although it was mentioned today, and Trudeau said again, he's talked about it spreading to other places. But there was lots of talk about St. Catharines. I think that other border crossing being blocked, and it wasn't. Um, so it's an interesting. It'll be interesting to see what Justice Rulo makes of that. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see how, whether or not he, he buys that story. I mean, he he also sort of was questioning some of the witnesses uh, throughout the week, sort of trying to get a real real sense of what their rationale was and why they had to use this option as opposed to other tools. Um, you know, it, it, and again, Windsor is very similar to that of Ottawa. I remember even trying to get to my office um, during the height of it, and, and the police weren't doing anything except keeping the rest of us away from the bridge. It wasn't like they were yeah. making an effort, seemed to me, to be clearing the, you know, clearing the way for traffic to move smoothly. And, and so, you know, I think that's the bigger question is like, what was the role of the police during all of this? And, um, you know, obviously there were mistakes made. And, and for me, it's like, you know, there's always going to be protests. And I worry whenever we erode civil liberties. And so, I, you know, I think that the threshold in the act um, is something that governments have to be really careful about because it can be a slippery slope. It'll, you know, if, if you invoke it once, it makes it that much easier to invoke it. Uh, um, when there's another protest and you don't like the message of the protesters. And so I think that, you know, the the questioning from the Civil Liberties Union Association um, was very pointed to all the, the different um, witnesses to really get to that question about, you know, how are we going to protect Canadians' rights to um, assembly in the future? I was really interested about what the convoy lawyer would do, and here's why. You have the Prime Minister of Canada sitting in front of you for 10 minutes. You can ask him anything you want that relates to what the inquiry is about. And instead, the lawyer got up there and sort of read emails from people who supported the convoy and then asked him a bunch of sort of open-ended, fairly disrespectful, nasty questions. And you think, why would you bother? Why would you bother with that? Why not ask some pertinent stuff about why they made, you know, why they made the decisions they made? I agree. I mean, I think it was a missed opportunity and you sort of have, you know, and, and I've heard others remark about how the convoy lawyers started off really well at the beginning of the inquiry, but then they, they, they kind of, as one person said, they kind of jumped the shark on this, you know, um, you know, storming out and having these antics and it just doesn't look good on them. And I think, especially if that's the last thing that the commissioner sees, it, it doesn't give a lot of credibility to that, to their point of view. And so I think it's unfortunate for their position, but, you know, I guess everyone's human and um, um, strategies uh, are, are what make or break um, these types of things. And I don't think that they had the best strategy going forward, perhaps that they, they were surprised by some of the testimony that they had heard. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I just when I looked at it, I thought there's probably a story to be told from the 
protester point of view or from the convoy point of view. Uh, and it can be told through the way that they question these witnesses. And instead, it just turned into a bit of a farce. And that was unfortunate, I thought. That, that took away from it. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, there, throughout this whole thing, I mean, there's always these, you almost feel like you're being, you're being played, right? There's always slights of hands. It's like, look over here, no, look over there. And, and, and it was very easy to lose sight of what is, what is the main point of the inquiry. The inquiry isn't to relitigate the convoy. It isn't to tell us about how awful it was for people on the ground on either side. It's to say whether or not um, there was a national security risk and whether or not the um, threshold for invoking the the Emergency Act was met. For me, that was the most important question. And the rest is just kind of this sleight of hand where people are talking about, you know, yes, it was hard to to live through it and people were traumatized by it. But just because you're traumatized by something doesn't mean that that is the threshold by which we would invoke this extraordinary suspension of our civil liberties. Yeah, no, no, precisely. And I guess, I mean, in a nutshell, I think there was a way, they did manage to stick to the, to what this was really about for most of it, but with something, with so many lawyers and, and, and the, the, just the politics of it all, I guess it was inevitable that it was going to get sidetracked. It was interesting to see behind the curtain, though, the, the text messages between different levels of government, between, you know, the Solicitor General of Ontario uh, and so forth. I mean, there were some really interesting things going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of salacious stuff, and there's a lot of uh, impertinent and imprudent comments. I mean, I think it. I was a bit shocked about hearing about the the, the you know ministers joking about using um, tanks to stop this, and you know, and and stuff like that, and 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 just. Um, a little bit of colorful language between the Ontario solicitor, uh, a solicitor general, compared to um, speaking to Mendicino, the public safety minister. Um, right. Obviously, um, people people's emotions were running hot. They certainly were. In a nutshell, do you think we heard what we needed to hear over the past six weeks? Um, I think we heard quite a bit. I don't know if we got everything, and I don't think we'd ever get everything. We're certainly not going to be privy to all cabinet confidences, and I think people are frustrated that you know the government would uh, invoke um, client, you know, cabinet solid cabinet confidentiality and client solicitor confidentiality. I think that's the key thing. You know, Lametti was limited. Uh, to what he could say simply because he is the legal counsel for the cabinet. But I think those were important questions to ask him. You know, it's like, what was your legal advice? And and when he says, well, that client um, um, solicitor privilege, privilege we're never, mm-hmm. we're never going to know, you know, really what was his legal basis for giving the advice that he did saying that this, that this did in fact meet the threshold. Lydia Miljan, thank you so much for your time. Have a great weekend. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.